Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, our Friday Housewives edition. Pretty good episodes this week. Of course, we're going to start with Potomac, and I felt like it was a good establishing episode. You know, we're back from Miami. The girls are settling into their real lives and trying to figure out what the hell happened on that trip, what's going on with the alliances. Where is the technology that Robin's going to pull out next? Who's to say? But let's get into the episode. So Robin and Giselle are starting off the episode with their assistant Carly working on the first reasonably shady live show, which is their podcast. Um, God, I'm about to admit something so immature, which is that... (laughs) Since Robin started acting up this season, I haven't been able to listen to the episodes. Like, I just can't do it. (laughs) I just can't do it. And that's probably some real hater shit. And, you know, listen, I'm a flawed individual and that's just my truth. That's just my truth. But previously, I really liked the show and especially I liked Robin. I thought she had a really special voice and input and I, I like the the podcast. But it's going to take me a minute to, to jump back in and I'm just going to have to be honest about that. But they're working on the live show. Super excited. Um, but also then Giselle tells Robin that the twins' birthday is coming up, uh, their 16th birthday, but they've basically made it clear, Mom, we don't want you anywhere near you. We hate you. And then they start talking about Miami. 
and how Robin was supposed to have a quiet moment to maybe work on her prenup. But of course, we know that didn't happen. But then Giselle brings up the fact that she heard that Wendy and uh, Robin had some sort of makeup reconciliation or something at the club. Fake. I thought Robin was being so fake in this moment to act to Giselle like, oh, yeah, she was, you know, saying that she, you know, felt bad and she cried about the situation and, you know, like, girl, whatever. But it's like you were over there hugging her, too, you know, and uh, I just don't know. I I just feel like I don't like it when people are like shady about a person in one to to somebody when really I think that I feel like Robin probably doesn't have that much of an issue with Wendy I also feel like she doesn't have um the she doesn't have a leg to stand on with regard to this because Wendy simply said you don't have a man and that's what set her off but frankly like do you I, I mean we don't really know like yeah you cohabitate with Juan but like the relationship doesn't add up, but also you wouldn't have had to catch that smoke if you hadn't created some whole fantasy about Wendy getting her titties done because uh, Eddie was cheating on her and that she's like a loose woman. Like you, you asked for that. So that's really on you, Robin. But then Robin brings up the fact that she and Candace are going to probably meet up to talk to hash out their issues. But I feel like we're much bigger issues than whatever the hell was going on between Robin and Wendy. But whatever, girl. Speaking of Candace, she and Chris were planning her graduation party. She has gotten a master's in business administration from Howard. And she's just like really feeling herself. She does tell Chris that she... In fact, invited Karen because she just so happened to remember that she was actually talking shit about her cheating on Ray. So in a confessional, a producer asked Candace, at what point did it dawn on you that you did say this stuff about Karen? And Candace looks right in the camera and goes, well, a producer told me I said it. So. (laughs) Then we kick it on over to Potomac where we find out that Karen, oddly out of nowhere somehow also caught the bug to have a live show and so then she invites her fake assistant matt to go over the karen huger experience as we as as you want to do right the karen says that it's basically going to be like a family variety show on the road i'm thinking uh, sunny and share i'm thinking the jacksons i'm thinking who's that mormon family with the brother and the sister. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit... Right. No, that's wrong. What, what are their names? Anyway, they're weird. Donnie and Marie. <laughs> as much as I don't really understand the idea of Karen having a live show, I do like the idea of seeing Ray shuffle on stage in a Sonny Bono wig. That I would pay good money for. Matt is throwing everything at the wall for this show. We're talking a Q&A section called Keeping It Karen. Cut to a fabulous drag queen. Cut to Karen coming back on the stage. Cut to a Diana Ross moment, whatever that means. And cut to flavoring it as a kickoff for the Pride weekend. She's, she's down. So then we see Candace and Robin meet up to talk. First, they have a really emotional moment because it turns out that Robin's friend and hairstylist Shirley lost both her sister and 
brother-in-law to a tragic car accident. So things have been really, really rough. And this also really puts things in perspective for Robin, as death often does. When you realize the things that you've been fighting about, the petty arguments and whatever, the walls that you've been keeping up are so stupid and so pointless. And you just want to make things right because life is short and it's not worth it. Robin tells Candace that she feels like, oh, you're my little sister. And Candace starts to get emotional and says, yeah, you're really the only person that I've had this sort of relationship with. And I'm like, maybe my memory is not serving me correctly, but I just don't remember this grand relationship between Candace and Robin in which Robin was taking her under her wing and they were super supportive of each other. I mean, this seems to be the case, but I just can't remember it. I really can't. It just seems a lot like we don't really get to see Robin's relationships with uh, anybody else on the show aside from Giselle, unless they're contentious. So I'm just working off the information that we're just getting now. So the issue with Candace is that she feels like you really threw me under the bus. You threw me to the wolves by um, taking that Alexa and putting it on the dinner table and exposing me to all these people. And I thought we had this like, tight relationship but from robin's perspective i thought you were talking about everybody and so i felt like everybody should know which i actually don't quite disagree with so candace says i understand and she says listen in terms of you i don't feel like you're a fake bitch and robin goes great just make sure that next time you say something you are a little bit more specific about who you're talking about Then there was a segment about Mia opening up a new joint franchise location, whatever. And she's going on and on about how they own all these locations. Um, She's collecting a check off of a bunch of other locations, but this one's her baby because it's in DC. Uh, Wacklin's showing up with an undercurl and looking like she's about to go straight to the Kojic church. And, you know, I just feel like this is a lot of footage for, um, do you still have the business, Mia? Because it seems like you don't. Seems like uh, whoever you did business with took that business right out from under you. And so I just, maybe for your own sake, I'm not going to talk about this further. All right? What I do want to talk about is the fact that they quietly, she and Gordon quietly slipped in that this, there's a lot riding on this new location because they had another deal that they were going to go on that fell through. And then we see a flashback where Gordon says, oh, you know, we can bounce back. But there was a lot riding on this mysterious business thing. So a producer asks Mia, what can you say about the deal that fell through? She's like, oh, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know. Suddenly, I don't know. I can't read. I, you know, I'm so tired of lawyers. You know, I just don't want to talk about anything. (laughs) Girl. You know exactly. What do you need a lawyer for? What happened? What happened, Mia? The wildest, the wildest is not the right word. The the most, the meatiest, I will say, uh, scene in the episode is with Ashley. She goes over to Uncle Lump's house. The aunt's there. She's got herself a little Corona. And she's got just little Dylan, not Dean, right? So she tells them, that she was going to bring both boys over, but then she ended up getting in this wild conversation with Michael because Michael just got back from Vegas, wanted to spend time with Dean alone, and it somehow turned into this confrontation screaming match about Ashley not being organized, yada, yada, yada. It, the worst possible thing happens is that Dean 
is screaming like stop because they're yelling at each other. So now this kid knows he's now stressed out and anxious and actively trying to get his parents from yelling at each other, which is bad, real bad. Uncle Lump doesn't like it. Aunt Lump doesn't like it either. I don't know that that's not her name, but you know, I didn't put write it down. The Lumps don't like it. And the berries don't like it either. Okay. Not good. This is not good, Ashley. Ashley's aunt says, this is real bad. And this is really a sign that you guys need to separate. Like you need to move out, Ashley. But then Ashley says in a confessional, I don't know how I'm going to live in a house with two young boys alone. And it just doesn't feel like the most important thing at the moment for me to do or for my kids. But you just said that you guys were fighting and screaming to the point where your toddler, what is he, three, maybe four, is trying to intervene. That is a really big problem, Ashley. Then Ashley starts crying to her aunt and uncle about being alone. And while they're trying to soothe her and be like, Ashley, you're never alone. Like, I do get it. What she's saying is, if I move out, you know, there are going to be moments where it's the middle of the night. And I'm having to raise both these kids and you, auntie, aren't going to be coming to help me. You're not going to be there when I'm feeling overwhelmed. Like, yeah, it's great. I can have you to babysit and I can come over and you can like, woo, 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 boys, you're so cute. But like, that's not like the same as having a partner. But what Ashley really needs to realize is that she wasn't getting that out of Michael anyway. Not even when things were good with you. So yeah, it's going to be hard, but you're going to have to, you know. Nut up, buttercup, and and figure it out for these boys. Because them having to be exposed in that concrete city with that milky-eyed man, old man, just raging out at their mother, isn't going to help any. It's not going to make you feel any less lonely or anything like that. The, the brief moments where he's not screaming at you and he's, like, trying to manipulate you, probably, you know, for the sake of his own bank account, not worth it. Get the house, girl. Let's get back to Candace. So she picks up her mom, Dorothy, for the party up from the airport, right? And basically she admits that her relationship with her mother is changed. Not really because of any efforts or growth on Miss Dorothy's part, it seems, you know, but more because Ashley or Candace rather has decided to just let the passive aggressive comments that Dorothy just hurls at her every moment roll right off her back. Not worried about it. So, okay. She does admit that it's easier said than done. And I believe that. (laughs) I believe that. But on the car ride home, Candace says tell her mom that her period at this point is several days late. And her mom's like, oh, so you think you're pregnant? A baby. (laughs) Imagine your mother saying, ugh, to the idea of your first child. And her first grandkid. Ooh, your back must be like an oil slick with all the things that I got to roll off from Miss Dorothy's words. I, I mean, just baby oil down and double up. <laughs> Good God. So then Dorothy's like, okay, well, if you have this baby, are you going to stop cussing? How about that? Are you, are you guys going to stop screaming and cussing at each other? And Candace is like, no, the baby will just learn not to cuss. She's like, well, I don't think that's possible. So, yeah, we'll see, Dorothy. (laughs) We'll see. So then it's time for Angel and Adora's 16th birthday. You guys, 
those two, they're adorable. Dressed super cute, like looking really fabulous. They got the pink going, their hair's done. They're just looking like two girls, young girls all growing up. And it's, uh, how sweet, <laughs> how sweet for them. I really go up for those girls. I really do. And I love, like, obviously, like, by far, the best thing that we see about Giselle is her relationship with those girls. No doubt about it. They read her down and she just accepts it. And I love that. If I have children one day, I, I hope to have the same relationship. They won't be reading me because I'm a bad bitch, but, you know, something similar. I also love how Giselle respected the fact that they were like, we don't want you here. She got her own room for her own adult friends, left them alone, was like, yo, your dad's here. Let's take pictures real quick. I'll do my speech. It'll be super quick, 30 seconds or less. Y'all can do your thing. We even had to endure this like terrible camera work because Giselle at least respected the fact that they didn't want all those cameras in that room. And so we get these long away shots that are, you know, not great, but respective of the situation and so for that i am grateful giselle says in a confessional that jamal one thing about jamal is that he will show up to every moment he is there present and accounted for and i thought that's great love that as a side note i wonder if you know maybe that's all he really has time for because he's got so many kids that he can only be there for the big moments but you know what congratulations to the twins I love that their father was there. He did a speech. He was grateful for the fact that he's not had to bail them out of jail. Giselle seemed pretty horrified by that. Like, why do we have to go straight to jail? Like, can't we just say you guys haven't gotten in trouble yet and just be grateful for that? Yeah, I think so. Giselle did a really cute speech about how she wishes that she had the confidence and strength of the twins that at their age, because she didn't, and she admires them. And, you know, I just love, I love their love. Moving on. Back to Grand Candace's graduation party. <laughs> Before everybody arrives, they notice that there's a snake in the grass. And Dorothy really had some jokes. She goes, oh, I thought you didn't invite Giselle. And then the editors had some jokes when they actually put the Chiron of Giselle underneath that garden snake. Y'all are wrong for that. <laughs> and I laughed. I, I let out a hearty chuckle at that one. Ashley, or Can why do we keep confusing them? Candace says that in terms of Chris's relationship with Miss Dorothy, it's to be expected, as we can expect. And the apology that she gave him um, is about the best that we can hope for. Turns out that there seemingly was no private apology done. The apology that she gave him was the apology that Andy forced her into giving at last year's reunion in which Andy asked her, don't you think that you owe him apology, Chris an apology? And she goes, I guess. So that's what we're working with. And Candace is like, listen, Chris just wants peace. He loves Dorothy's daughter and that's all he's worried about. She also says that she took a pregnancy test that morning and it was negative and she was feeling a little bit of disappointment, but ultimately she realized that it, you know, she can go back on the IVF journey. She seemed to bounce back pretty well. So while everybody's eating at the graduation party, Karen asks Robin about her wedding plans. You know, Ray and I have a lot of time. So when's the wedding? Also, I would encourage you guys to follow their daughter, Raven. She's truly living her best, like, New York downtown influencer life and i love it i love it she's like living the same way that quincy sonia morgan's daughter is but like kind of better i'm living for it 
So Robin starts fanning herself and she says that they're meaning she, Juan, and the two boys are planning on having just an intimate wedding with the four of them. And nobody else is invited, for sure. So Karen says in a confessional, so now you're having an intimate wedding with no guests? Okay. And then she crosses her eyes and she goes, if Robin would just admit, hey, we like shacking up with each other, then I would mind my business, but you're making it my business. (laughs) So then Wendy approaches Robin, right? Everybody goes away so they can have a one-on-one conversation. So Wendy starts off by saying, you know, last time we saw each other in Miami, we were drunk and hugging each other. And I kind of feel like, you know, a sober mouth speaks. What's the saying? I always get it wrong. Basically, like when you're drunk, you're speaking the truth. Right. And she felt like she really, you know, was she meant that what she said. I love you, Robin. I want us to be okay. She meant that. But Robin's now angry or feeling some type of way about Wendy being different around her with other people, like being contentious and wanting to fight and being, uh, you know, lawyer Wendy uh, when they're in a group setting. But when they're a one on one, she's like really nice and sweet to her, which I kind of feel like Wendy could have very easily said the same thing about Robin. But Wendy was like, you know what? I hear you. I accept that. I'm really sorry. Yes, I did have liquid courage that night. And so maybe I did approach you differently than when we were around other people. But here I am now saying it again. I'm sorry. So now you know it's real. And then the shit really irked me because Robin asks Wendy, is there anything else that you need from me? And Wendy says, yeah, I'd like an apology. (laughs) But Robin says, well, I already apologized to you. And Wendy says, okay, well, I need another one. Give me another one. So she says, I'm sorry, but she can't even help herself by saying under her breath, well, I already said sorry to you before. Like, girl, just just say sorry. Just say sorry. Robin says in a confessional that she's actually surprised that Wendy took ownership for her part and that she'll take the one-on-one Wendy any day. Well, I'll take one-on-one Robin any day. Because you, you do also do this rah-rah shit in front of other people. You're the one uh, spreading your coochie, talking about, oh, you know, lick my ass or whatever she said last season. Standing ten toes down. Like, you also get a battery in your back in front of people. So, especially Giselle. But also, like, I don't really think that this is the ultimate problem that Robin has with Wendy. I think she doesn't have a problem with Wendy. She just keeps up the shit because of Giselle. Then that's it. Then we have another one-on-one conversation between Candace and Karen. Candace takes Karen aside to be like, listen, um, (laughs) wait before this. Candace takes her aside, but Karen turns to Ray and goes, Ray, can you get me a brewski? taught her brewski <laughs> i would love i might make that my ringtone just karen asking ray for a brewski like, <laughs> i love that but so candace takes her aside and goes hey um listen you know that conversation where ashley said that i said that you were basically in these streets and i vehemently denied it because i didn't remember well i remember now uh my bad my bad <laughs> Candace says in a confessional, listen, I was being messy. I was drunk. And I was with a demon, meaning Ashley. (laughs) So 
lesson learned on all sides. Karen is actually way more, um, not apologetic, but like understanding, uh, than I thought that Candace deserved, frankly, uh, for what she said. And even very understanding of Ashley, the fact that Ashley was talking shit about, uh, Karen being out here in these streets too. So good on her because couldn't be me. Really couldn't be me, but they end up making up and it was nice. But then Karen asks Candace how her relationship is with Ashley. And she goes, it's not. Karen goes, okay, God is good. (laughs) So the episode ends with Ray. It's kind of a, a hot mic moment. Ray has with Chris. So Ray comes up to Chris and, you know, he's like, I noticed that Giselle's not here. And Chris goes, yeah, well, Candace and Giselle are having a bit of a disagreement. He's trying to keep it cute, right? Like they're not just not on the same page. So that's why she's not here. Ray goes, well, I thought the issue was not between them. I thought it was with you and Giselle. And Chris says that his intention with that conversation, with him taking Giselle aside at the reunion, was for Giselle to better understand how Candace communicates so that Candace and Giselle could communicate better in the future. That was all he was trying to do. Then Chris says that at the end of the day, your feelings are your feelings. And if Giselle was uncomfortable... She was uncomfortable, but it wasn't because of anything I did. So Ray says, well, what about you taking the high road? Just say, you know, even if it was just a misunderstanding, I acknowledge it, blah, blah, blah. So the producers ask Candace and Chris why Chris won't just say he's sorry to Giselle if she felt uncomfortable. And Chris says, well, I feel like if I apologize, I'm admitting to something when I didn't do anything wrong. And I stand by the fact that I did absolutely nothing wrong. And then Candace says, let's say that they do meet and talk. We don't know what else Giselle's going to say because who the hell knew she was going to say that? So Chris is able to break away from Ray. Candace starts doing her speech, thanking everybody and like, woo, you know, black girls doing it in education. Like, let's go up for that. Raise a glass. Chris walks into where she's doing a speech and he kind of like exits stage left real quick. It's like, fuck, there's too many people. And then he goes out to the porch, has a cigar with some man. God, did we know that Chris had a, uh, an, a tattoo? What do you call it? Like a, like a wire tattoo. Oh, bless around his calf. That actually might be like, if you had to have a, like a, what do you call those? Like those wire tattoos. If you had to have those, maybe around the calf would be better than the arm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he might have made a point on that. Still not good, though. But anyway, he's having these uh, cigars outside and he says, apologize for what? Like, I didn't do shit. I did not do shit. And then somebody says, it sounds like you're really mad. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I am. So, gosh, what do we think about that? Like, is it ultimately in this specific situation would it be giving Giselle some sort of ammo for lack of a better word if Chris were to apologize or would it be just better for him to do it and say hey I'm sorry if I made you feel uncomfortable and keep pushing I think I don't know like I feel like Chris is a good dude I think his intentions were pure I think that it like it wouldn't kill him to just be like, I'm sorry if I made you uncomfortable and still be able to stand by the fact that he felt like he didn't do anything wrong. But 
yeah, I don't know. It's like a really sticky, sticky situation. And I, mm, I'm still team Chris on this one, <laughs> which is surprising because I'm usually, usually not, but yeah. Ooh, okay. Let's move on to Salt Lake. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. At the end of the day, I have a clear conscience. I've been a good friend to Jen, and it's not reciprocated. No one's trying to say, like, we're, we're, turning, we're turning our back on you, Jen. We're just telling you the way that you're treating us hurts and she won't hear it but it's unacceptable what she keeps doing she doesn't even remember pushing you she doesn't even remember what happened did well, you notice that last night that's a problem because much like heather doesn't even remember we were in all right you guys i've made a late stage decision with the uh how i'm going to be talking about the latest episode of real housewives of salt lake city because i just feel like the whole episode I think I'd like to go back to Utah, first of all. I think we're done with San Diego, officially. I am, in my heart, anyway. And I also feel like there were so much and so little going on, and so much of the same thing going on, that I think it just serves us better to just, like, quickly talk about the main themes of the episode, rather than delve into the minutia. Because, essentially, this episode was Battle Royale, and... Only half of them had weapons, and they weren't the ones, not the people that should be having weapons, you know, if we had to pick. It it was just a very strange episode all around. Um, The energy to this season is very odd. You guys, we gotta get Mary back. Like, how was, in hindsight, Mary somehow, strangely, the unifying... uh, glue a little bit like she just she was very weird and we have to admit that but somehow it worked and I'm finding myself missing her because I do feel like she might be able to be the person who kind of moved these things along right or at least shut them down so we could move on to something else I really feel like she and Whitney would have um had some issues and that would have been really great to watch I have to admit. I have to admit. Um, Okay, so let's get into it. The girls got into a fight the night before. Lisa popped off. They're all have... They're up to here with Jen. They're up to here with her shenanigans, her toxic behavior, the cycle of um, basically Jen's like a mob boss that everybody has to adhere to. Otherwise, you're, you know, horse head in the bed with you. So it's just getting really tough and really unsustainable for both Lisa and Heather. Right off the bat, we begin one of many parts of 
probably one of my most annoying things about a Housewives episode or a season is that we are constantly referencing a moment that we didn't actually see on television. There were so many references to this hot tub conversation in which we find out Whitney said that she and Heather are on a friend break that she did not inform Heather of. More on that later. Um, Jen is not really fucking with Heather. She feels like they're only friends 60% of the time. Or maybe Heather said that. I don't know. Both of them are like kind of saying the same thing to other people, essentially. Um, and yeah, there are so many references to this hot tub conversation in which apparently a lot of things happened, but yet we don't get to see it unless it's in flashback form. It's just very jarring. With every episode, Lisa Barlow is becoming more and more of the voice of reason. And I'm finding that um, hard to swallow because I just, you guys know that I, it's not even that I really dislike Lisa. I just don't get her. And I feel like she, (sighs) I don't know, but she is making a lot sense, a lot more sense um, lately. So basically she says, She wants to be friends with Jen, but, you know, you can't be pushing me, you know? You can't be screaming at me in my face. Um, You know, that sort of thing. I just don't like it. It's a bit of a deal breaker for me, which I think is incredibly fair. And then Lisa says, I have a clear conscience in terms of my treatment of Jen. And I don't think she can say the same. And then we do see seasons worth of Lisa defending Jen, trying to negotiate relationships with Jen, like really sticking her neck out for her and in ways that I didn't remember. So, you know, these are the flashbacks that I appreciate because I can remember that they happened. Not these things where you're like, oh, we're just constantly having to catch you up to something you never saw. So speaking of, the first flashback is Angie Kay asking Whitney how things are going with her friendship break with Heather. And then we find out that she, in fact, is having a friendship break with Heather. This is the stuff that Whitney does that pisses me off. She's like, yeah, I don't even think that she noticed. (laughs) Okay. Don't test me, bitch. Okay. Don't test me. Clear communication. Clear communication. Because now we found out that you told everybody but me that you guys are on a friend break. And now it's my responsibility to pick up on this test that, like, you have stopped talking to me. And apparently I'm failing. Like, that's not fair to somebody. It's really immature. So then Whitney says in a confessional that she's feeling bad because she felt like she and Heather were in a neutral space. But then... Heather threw her under the bus last week uh, about Angie H being at the uh, choir auditions with her um, as soon as Jen came for her. Okay, but you just told everybody before you even got on this trip that you guys weren't fucking with each other and you had decided that you guys were on a break. So that's not really a neutral space, Whitney. (laughs) Like at all. So essentially what everybody's trying to do is like pull their friendship credit report, right? They're all trying to say, hey, you can look at my history and this should be enough to account for what's happening in our present, right? Because Heather is now saying that in terms of her friendship with Jen, she just hopes that Jen is now uh, sober and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and realizing that she can't control who she's friends with she can't control the fact that she wants to contain or maintain this relationship with angie h and that she would think that her past years of being loyal to jen would give her enough credit for this so while heather's wondering how her relationship with jen is going 
to go. Um, Jen is up in Angie K's room with matching outfits on, hugging and reconciling and, and giving genuine apologies, which she should have been doing the whole time. Finally, we get a real contrite apology about the champagne on the head. And it's like, hey, I was just trying to be fun. It wasn't funny. I get it. I'm sorry. And here again, I have to say that I feel like Angie K might be a perfect throwback style housewife because she just hits her. She just hits Jen with like the ultimate in like rich white lady manipulation first. She's like, you know, Jen, I know that you love me because I'm a really sensitive person. And that's why I got upset about that. And then she very quickly breezes by like, oh, I'm really sorry that I outed you for not paying that $15,000 check for a uh, coach's birthday. Sorry about that, girl. But I also think that you have recognized that I'm a really good friend to you. So thank you so much for that. And that's like a real win for you. <laughs> You're just projecting all of this shit that she wants Jen to feel on her and wrapping it up in a, oh, I can see that you've changed. Good for you. It's honestly brilliant. And then she says, it's really important that you just acknowledge how much of a good friend I am to you. I, I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> the lady is brilliant. Isn't Camille Grammer from Colorado or something? Maybe she's from New Jersey. <laughs> in my mind, she's from, maybe I'm thinking of Taylor. She's almost like if Camille grew up in Colorado and never left. This is what we would have gotten. So now Heather and Lisa have found some sort of alliance within each other because they're both sick of Jen shit. And they've decided that they're going to confront her and basically tell Jen that she needs to acknowledge you have toxic relationships with all of us. There's an unfortunate for Jen montage that, you know, I'm sure the uh, authorities really appreciated of Jen getting into it angrily with... Meredith, Heather, Lisa, Whitney. Oh, by the way, you guys, it just came out <laughs> that, um, let me get this article so I can report the facts because I am a journalist. Okay, so it came out yesterday that back in when uh, Jen got run up by the feds and they came in her house, uh, this was March of 2021, she, they'd seized uh, over 30 pieces of counterfeit fake Fake, 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 fake. Um, bags, designer bags, and over 40 pieces of counterfeit, fake, 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 fake jewelry. And obviously those should be going towards the millions of dollars that she owes in restitution. However, you know, I don't know if you can do that. But there are things that they did seize that were legitimate pieces of jewelry and bags, including some Meredith Marks jewelry. Um, so hopefully... Maybe in the end, Meredith Marks helps uh, kick a little over to Jen's way. We never saw, never thought we'd see the day. And you know what makes it even more ironic is that Angie K was rocking that actual, what is that, the Gucci bag that says fake on it all over this episode. And that that's a real Gucci bag. That's that new money. I'm going to get the real one that says fake on the outside. Mm. Angie K's got real money. She needs to be on this show. And I honestly, in the first... Five minutes of her, I was like, I can't stand her. But now I think she might be necessary. You know what I think I just realized is that we are now in this, like we were introduced 
as Lisa and Meredith kind of being the alpha dogs and Heather and Whitney were, you know, second tier. And then, you know, Mary was just in her closet and Jen's screaming at everybody. Um, But now the dynamic has shifted. I don't know what Meredith is doing other than a steady diet of sedatives, but she's not really in the mix. Lisa's in the mix, but in a very different way. And now we've got, Whitney and Heather going at it constantly and Jen is now too much into the story than I think she needs to be. Um, you know, she's like a bay leaf, you know, a little bit goes a long way with Jen and then you got to pluck her out when we're done. You know, there's a time and a place and I think we're getting too much. So after this, Angie, Kay, and Jen go down to give everybody their little swag bags and say they're going to have a beach day. And Lisa, Lisa Barlow, this is why I need her. Lisa says in a confessional, I'm really excited for beach day. I mean, it's not like Turks and Queso. It's, I said Queso. It's not like Turks and Caicosco. It's not like Turks and Caicos with the white sand beaches. It's, but it's better than the frigid cold. Don't use that. Once they get to the beach, we find out that they're not just going to be having a nice, relaxing lounge, give me a margarita moment like Meredith and myself would have preferred. They're having to do activities, sandcastle building, gunny sack races. And I'm going to say something. I don't know if I just like don't notice, but it felt like, did it feel like to you that everybody's boobs got bigger overnight? (laughs) So look at it. Lisa Gazongas, Jen, ba-bam. Meredith, tiggle bitties. Heather, all of them. It just seemed like they seemed a little bit larger in San Diego. I don't know what's going on. Maybe, I don't know. It's very cold in Salt Lake. Maybe the blood's rushing and now things are engorging. I don't know what happened, but the fact that they would be playing any of them, uh, gunny sack races on the beach with that hard surface that you're certainly going to fall on. Mm -mm, Nope, nope. You're not going to get me. I'm not going to be popping nothing. I gotta say, it's really fascinating to see how uh, plastic surgeries trend regionally. You know what I mean? Because thinking about it, like maybe their boobs are a little bit bigger because they are covered up so much because it's cold, right? Whereas if they were constantly in California, maybe they all would have gone a little bit more conservative because you can see them more. They're out there. It's very interesting. And this is like no plastic surgery shaming. I actually find the whole thing very fascinating. So Heather decides to team up with Angie Kay and Jen for the sandcastle making. Angie Kay says, I can't do anything without my lipstick on. And then she makes Jen and Heather put her lipstick on as well. (laughs) Like in the middle of them talking and Heather has to be like, girl, I don't want to put your lipstick. I don't want that frosted pink lipstick on my lips. It's not going to work for me. Dana's still there. Remember Dana? She got to make one joke by saying that she feels like Jen's probably going to cheat. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. Anyway. After that, the ladies decide to go surfing. Meredith is just going to look at her phone on the beach. And Whitney, Lisa, excuse me, Heather, Whitney, and Jen decide to go to lunch. So now Heather and Lisa are going to be tag teaming uh, Jen about their toxic relationships with her. But Heather got, Jen got Heather, or Heather got Jen fucked up because she gave her an out. She was like, Heather asks Jen, 
don't you feel like our relationship is toxic? And Jen says, yeah, I actually do because you're still remaining friends with Angie H after her husband, uh, you shot exposed on Instagram. So yeah, I do feel like it's toxic, but not for the reason you were just going to say, gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) So Heather asked Jen, was it not clear where I stand with regard to what Angie and Chris did? And Jen's like, no, it actually isn't. I feel like you've been flip-flopping. So Heather, Heather asks her how, and Jen's like, because you're still friends with Angie and you never held her accountable. So Heather comes back to Jen and is like, okay, well, how do you think I felt finding out that you got into the hot tub after our conversation to talk shit about me a couple days later? Jen starts screaming and says that she did never talk shit about Heather. Of course, we find out that she did. Going on and on about Heather and their relationship. Lisa chimes in and says, listen, I just need to make sure that we're on calm waters because I just don't know which way is up with you. The last 24 hours have really rocked me. And Jen is like, I don't know what happened to you, girl. (laughs) Completely forgetting that they had a damn near wrestling match on that yacht. So then Heather tells Jen, I don't know which way is up with you either. One day we're laughing and partying and having a great time. Next minute you're throwing shoes off. But listen, sun's a dog doesn't sign. A sun doesn't shine on a dog's ass every day. I don't know what she said. (laughs) Basically, she's like, it could be my my shoes over the boat next. I just don't know. And I want to be able to be sure that we're good. So Jen hits Heather again with the reason why their uh, relationship is toxic is because Heather's a flip-flopper. And she says one thing and then she does another. So Heather tells Jen, you need to figure it out. And Jen goes, no, you need to figure it out because you're flip-flopping so much, you should be wearing flip-flops right now. Oh, good one. (laughs) Good one, Jen. (laughs) So Heather tells Jen, you've gone through the ringer. You've gone from, on this trip, co-host, champagne thrower, Now you're issuing me an ultimatum with my relationship with Angie and Jen gets right in Heather's face, gets right up close to her and says, I almost killed myself because of that Instagram account. And coach almost didn't have a wife and the boys almost didn't have a mother. And then Jen says in a confessional that she's usually pretty strong, but the day she saw the Shaw exposed Instagram account, there was a lot of negativity coming her direction because of the trial. And she got to the point that day when she was done. So she says she locked herself in the bathroom and coach got so freaked out that he kicked down the door and she was in the hospital for two and a half days. So at this point, Heather is immediately disarmed. Jen's saying, you know, bullying's not okay. And Heather's like, listen, I know it's not. I love you. Heather keeps trying to talk to her, but Jen gets up and leaves the table. And then Lisa says in a confessional, the truth is that Jen just dropped something so heavy on both of us that even Bob the Builder couldn't lift it, which is true. So Heather turns to Lisa while Jen is gone. She's like, I feel like Jen keeps upping the ante with the federal indictment and now the suicide. And Lisa says, listen, I, you're totally valid. So Heather tells Lisa, we need to start making it about our issues so that we can work through them And listen, I think we should just start to be a united front for each other. Deal with Jen how we can, but we'll just vent to each other about our issues with her. Then Jen comes back to the table and Lisa says, listen, Jen, I had no idea that's why you went to the hospital. Nobody wants you to feel that way. And then Jen gets back up from the table and says, what do I have to do? Do I have to finish myself off so you guys know that I'm telling the truth? And this is where I need to pause because listen, like 
obviously we know, you know, with the death of Twitch, there's been a lot of conversations this week, especially about like suicide prevention and awareness and how to have conversations and when and all of this. Listen, (laughs) this is really tough. This is a really tough thing. And everybody wants to be incredibly sensitive, I would hope, to everybody's mental health and all of that, right? Um, Nobody wants to be insensitive to suicide. But also, nobody, like, the way that Jen went about it, I think most of us can agree that she was saying this to get out of responsibility they obviously didn't know. This is really complicated now because now we're in a position where we can't have a productive conversation because, like Lisa said, you just put something on the table that was so dark and so jarring that we have to be sensitive to the situation and we have to address that. And now we are so off course of what we were originally trying to get to and that also needs to be recognized and i think we can't deny that for lack of a better term jen has like caged rat syndrome you know like when you corner a, a scared animal they're gonna try and fight their way out and that's what jen has a tendency to do and it really distracts from again the original point of people trying to have a productive conversation with her and try to hold her accountable because they're valid in not loving the way that she treats them, you know, but now, you know, I just want to make it very clear that I don't want to make it seem like, Oh, there's a time and a place to talk about that sort of thing because Everybody should be free and feel comfortable to talk about when they're struggling anytime when, even when it feels uncomfortable. But this, I don't think was that moment. I I just don't think that's what Jen was trying to do. I think she was trying to, uh, you know, get out of a situation of being held accountable. And I don't think that's cool. I just don't. So let's get back to Whitney. Whitney's still beefing with Heather. Heather, unbeknownst to Heather, really. So she talks to Angie Kay in the Sprinter on the way back to the house, um, saying, you know, I basically feel like I'm between a rock and a hard place with Heather, and I feel like I either need to forget everything or just, you know, by some miracle, Heather actually takes accountability. In the other van, it's Heather, Lisa, and uh, Jen, and they have an emotional moment where they all hug, and, uh, you know, Heather says in a confessional, initially I went into this wanting to criticize Jen, but now I just want to support her and let her know that she's loved. And that's really all you can do, right? So all the ladies get to the board and barrel, which, amen, dressed up in full Marilyn Monroe cosplay. as uh whitney loves and like of course whitney loves marilyn monroe of course she does she's a marilyn monroe girl i should have known apparently this place is just a charcuterie board restaurant which is great for them because as i told you guys earlier this season it seems like utah just discovered charcuterie boards so good for them so everybody sits down and meredith asks the other three jen uh, Heather, Lisa, did you guys hash things out at your lunch? Like, how did it go? 
And Heather tries to protect Jen a little bit. And it's, you know, there were highs and lows, just like our relationship. So then Whitney asks, okay, but did you guys resolve anything? But Jen's like, well, I don't really want to get into it because it's way too personal. So, okay, Whitney then says, well, okay, all I want to know, I don't want to know details, but was it personal between you three or just you and Jen? Like, that's all I'm asking. So Jen says, it was three of us. Whitney says, okay. And then there's silence. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And Jen goes, okay, do you want me to break it down for you since you're digging and you want to know? I told them that I tried to commit suicide. And that, you know, Coach Shaw had to take me to hospital. And, you know, that's why the Angie and Chris Harrington thing hit my husband so hard. Because I tried to take my life. Is that what you wanted to know since you want to dig and dig and dig, Whitney? (laughs) So now Whitney's like, uh, what? Deer in the headlights moment. But in a confessional, she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not know what you guys were talking about. Uh, Don't you think I should get a pass a little bit? Because... I had no idea. No clue. So then Jen tells Whitney, since we're all putting our feelings on the table, maybe you should tell uh, Heather how you felt. How about you do that? So the whole table is now rocked by what Jen just admitted, but Whitney's like, I, I guess I'll talk about Heather now. I-, I-, I don't know. I've said all this before to Heather, but Heather is like, well, I'm actually horrified to find out the news, but I'm ready to hear it. Like, what is it? So Whitney says, well, every time I try to approach you, you get defensive and you leave. So Whitney keeps trying to tell Heather, you don't hear me. But Heather says in a confessional that she feels like she's in Alice in Wonderland because Whitney keeps saying, I don't hear me. What is it? There's something going on, but she's not being specific about what it is. Whitney's still mad about the the rumor with Lisa. I know that you know, Heather, I know that you know about this rumor and, you know, because you repeated it when we were in LA, like I know for a fact, but Meredith chimes in and goes, but you said that I knew something that I didn't know about Lisa too. So what's good? Whitney tells Meredith, she already took accountability for it, but Meredith is like, actually you didn't. You told a bunch of people and now John Barlow knows he told my husband and that I started these rumors when I didn't. So in a confessional, Whitney says, can we get Meredith some bread so she can soak up that alcohol? Because she clearly doesn't remember that we've already gone over this about a gazillion times. 
You started talking about Lisa first. I piled in with what I knew. Then Whitney, she's so strange. She tells the table that when she and Meredith got together earlier that in the season, the energy was so awkward for her. She didn't know what to do. So she just made them both unload her dishwasher together. (laughs) So Meredith goes, no, 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 girl. Because we didn't even start talking about Lisa until after that dishwasher conversation. Um, But Whitney's like, well, I'm a vibes girl. And you came into my house uncomfortable because you knew the conversation that you were going to start. Okay. Okay. Whitney, I don't know if vibes hold up in, in a court at this point, maybe later into this administration, but at this point, I don't think so. Girl, the vibes were off and you knew something was coming. Ma'am. Finally, Lisa's the only adult in the room saying we all fucked up. All of us need to recognize that there's been hypocrisy among all of us in the Fen group, right? And Whitney's like, yeah, everybody needs to be held accountable for the part they played, but mostly Heather. So Jen keeps diverting from her responsibility and accountability by continuing this uh, fan the flames of Whitney and Heather's destruction of their friendship by telling them, hey, uh, Whitney told everybody in the hot tub that you were, she was taking a friend break from you, Heather. And Heather goes, oh, okay, well, that's news to me. Out of this whole group, you're going to take a friendship group break from me? (laughs) Interesting. So Jen goes, oh, did you guys not talk about this? And Heather goes, no, this is news to me. You told your worst enemies in the world, Whitney, that we were on a friendship break. (laughs) Great. That's complete bullshit. I've not done anything to deserve that. And you know what? For me, loyalty is a deal breaker. Deal broken. So then Whitney says, I feel like, Heather, you have an equally fucked up relationship with Jen. And yet you give Jen way more grace than you ever give me. And Jen goes, you know what? That is a good point. I hear you on that one, Whitney. You're right, Whit. She does give me way more pass. That's true. That's true. Heather tells Whitney, what you don't understand is we're family. And my love for you, my loyalty overpowers whatever bullshit's going on. But Whitney says, well, that's the issue, is that you think what I'm doing is bullshit. And then Heather, or Whitney accuses Heather of, of talking over her, being too loud and aggressive. And Heather's like, very passive aggressive. Okay, I'm try- quiet as a church mouse. What do you need, Whitney? What is it? Are you okay? I'm listening to you, Whitney. At that point, Whitney gets up from the table and is like, you know what? I, I told you what my issue is. I'm not doing this again. So as Jen's watching all this go down, she's like, listen, in a confessional, I understand what Heather's doing right now, but Whitney needs to have a voice. Now is the time for you to speak up. You've been saying you've had this voice for three years, so why don't you use it? So Whitney decides to, in fact, use her voice by telling her to Heather, um, you know, you put hands on me that night after I told you that I had issues with, um, you know, abuse as a child that I was trying to process. In a confessional, Whitney says, Heather was the only person outside of Justin that I confided to about my past. And so I've just never felt hurt like this. And again, I don't think this is fair to Heather. I do not. I think both of them are in the wrong and both of them are in the right. Heather does have a tendency to talk over Whitney and probably make her feel belittled and demeaned and like she doesn't take her shit seriously. But on the other hand, Whitney's 
trying to act like she's not putting her past on Heather, but she is. And she's trying to make her responsible for things that Heather ultimately is not responsible for. She's not responsible for her past trauma. She's not responsible for uh, possibly triggering her. I, I don't know. I just don't know that it's fair. And also, like, we have to remember that the trauma that Heather, or excuse me, the Whitney is enduring is because her brother told her that she was abused. So you got to talk to somebody about that, you know, like, and not be like, I told Heather right before this trip. And now Heather bears the responsibility of not triggering me because I told her like, I, you know, it's, I don't think it's ultimately fair, but Heather does talk over Whitney and I don't think she does take her shit seriously. And I do understand why that would be frustrating to wit because what Heather says is like, you know, I feel like you just really wanted to be friends with Lisa. And I'm so sorry that I was the one who stopped you from doing that. I'm really, really sorry. So now you can crawl right up Lisa's ass as far as you want to and get real good and comfortable. <laughs> in a confessional like I feel like we're at the fair and, and I'm the plushie that the prizes are trying to win ultimately Whitney tells Heather that she does not accept her uh, apology not sure that she gave her one but she doesn't accept it and so we basically end with nothing no resolution Heather basically starts ignoring Whitney at the table uh, laughing and drinking a glass of water while Whitney's like Heather can you hear me Heather please acknowledge me I know you can hear me Heather look over at me Nothing. Blanks her completely. So, the somehow, somehow the ladies are able to rally enough to go to the club after this and have a grip-roaring time. They're getting back to the house at like 2.20 in the morning. Pizza. Crashing glasses. Titties everywhere. Heather's titties. Jen's titties. Ass. Jen's basically running laps around here, around that property with her titties out. It just like giggling and areolas flying and they're really real lit. We're seeing for some reason a countdown on the, on the, at the bottom, lower third, 225, 227, 240, three o'clock, 320. At 328, Heather goes back to her casita by herself. There was mention of Jen saying, oh, I'm going to come up to your room later. Like, we're going to spend the night with each other, share a bed, right? The Heather goes to her casita and she locks it. 4.50, we see the door handle start jiggling to the casita. Heather goes over and opens the door. And then suddenly the screen says seven hours later. So it's now 1134. Uh... Heather's texting Meredith, hey, I need you to come over right now. Meredith's coming over with her under-eye mask. It's like, what's going on? Heather uh, and Jen are sitting at a table. Jen gets up to give Meredith the chair. Heather's sitting there with her sunglasses on, oversized sunglasses, like you said. She's like, what the hell's going on? What's going on? I'm like, I'm nervous. Suddenly, Heather takes her glasses off and reveals that her eye is not only black, it is swollen shut. She's got scratches on her arm. Meredith is horrified, hand over her mouth that goes, when did this happen? And then the episode ends. Ugh, 
I guess we'll see what happens. Although I heard that we don't actually find out what happened with Heather, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, you guys. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. If you guys can uh, give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would greatly appreciate it. It's a season of giving, you know? You know? <laughs> I don't know what to say. I need it. Okay. I need it for the charts. I need it for recognition. Let's, let's just be real here. So if you can, that would be great. And if you don't feel like it, or if you want to give me a lower one, how about just don't, how about that? And that'll be your, your wish, your, your good deed for the holiday season is if you don't like me, just don't just do me the favor of not doing it. Okay. How about that? Thank you. Thank you in advance. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye.